0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Mike Wolf. Mike, are you ready to do this?
1: I am ready. Let's do it.
0: Yes, let let's do this. Mike is a self-made Freedom Lifestyle entrepreneur. He's a real estate investor, an international speaker, and an author. I'm excited to have you on, Mike. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Oh, boy. Where do I start? I know I only have so long, so I'm going to dive right in. Uh, I've been a a real estate investor for 31 years. I help other people who want to invest in real estate. I either teach them how to do it, or uh, my teams actually do it for them. And uh, let's see, I'm, I'm uh, normally a world traveler. Uh, COVID put a bit of a damper on things this year, but I'm um, hunkered down in Mexico instead of Canada, so I have no complaints. And uh, why do what I do? It's, uh, you know, to me, I, I don't even like the term real estate investor, I only use it because people identify with it, but I like the term problem solver, uh, because behind every real estate deal, there's some, you know, nobody randomly just puts their home up on the market. They're all, there's always a story behind it, either they've, you know they're moving up, they're moving down. They lost a job, they're getting divorced. There's always some underlying reason, and if we're good problem solvers and we can help solve their problems, we can help help them and get paid for it at the same time. And that's why after 31 years of doing this, I still wake up excited uh, to do it every single day.
0: So, Mike, we were talking about about uh, Canadian winter and northern Minnesota winter before we uh, hopped on hopped on the actual call. When did you make the decision? Now now that you are and have been living essentially wherever you want, when did you make the decision that, that you wanted that kind of freedom?
1: Yeah, that, that happened. Uh, well, it happened where I went full-time nomad around five years ago. and uh, I, got, I got divorced around 10, and when I first got divorced, my daughter was 15. And so I would take short trips. I'd go away for a week, come back, spend some time with my daughter for three weeks. So I, I basically was traveling for one week out of the month. And then one, one time I came back, and, uh, you know, I said, Haley, what do you want to do tonight? Anything you want to do, just, you know, name it. And she said, can you drop me off at my boyfriend's house? And uh, she's always been daddy's little girl. So it was, it was uh, a little bit of a tough moment for me. <laughs> but it was also kind of bittersweet because like, well, hey, well, then there's not really any need for me to keep coming back if, if my daughter's not going to spend. And, and I remember when I was 15, I didn't really want to hang out with my parents either. So I totally got it. So then I started to travel full time. And then I'd fly my daughter to come meet me. And uh, and she she's like a mini me, so she loves the warm weather as well. And uh, but then I started traveling full time, and I've been doing it ever since until uh, you know that thing called COVID hit. And uh, went back to Canada, spent seven months there, and did all right with it until that uh, white stuff started to come down from the sky, and said, "Nope, I'm not participating in this." So uh, here I am in Mexico now.
0: Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And 2020 taught us that. Well, it taught us a lot of stuff, but certainly doing business virtually. But but you had essentially figured that out way way before that. So, what? W- walk me through it because I'm I'm fascinated. You you talked about how how you manage a team, and um, so how did you figure out how to how to successfully manage people and projects remotely?
1: Yeah, well, I actually took it a step further than that now, and I have other people to manage the team, so I have uh, a lot of freedom, a lot more freedom. But the key is really to create passive income, and passive income is doing something one time, getting paid for it over and over and over again, and or uh, delegating and or automating things so that you're not trading your time for money anymore. And so, uh, a lot of my a lot of my money comes in from my revenue properties that I own. Other people go and collect the rent for me. That shows up in my bank account. Doesn't matter if I'm in Mexico. Doesn't matter if I'm in Bali. Doesn't matter if I'm with my grandkids or I'm volunteering. That money keeps showing up. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is I really have three revenue streams. One is one is my rent revenue properties that I spoke about. The second part is um, I have a business where we sell turnkey investment properties to investors all over the world, and that's in Atlanta, Georgia. Now that doesn't take up any of my time. I've got it's my money. I have my teams involved. I've got uh, you know, there's systems, so they're not calling me all day long. And then there's other people that manage, you know, manage the whole operation. So I'm, once again, I'm very removed from it. And we're helping investors uh, to also create passive income, but it's not taking up my time to do that. And that's really, um, you know, the the important part is that as soon as you start putting yourself into the mix, uh, then that, you're usually the bottleneck in your own business because there's only one of you and you can only work so many hours a day. And as soon as you stop working, the money stops coming in. And then my third revenue stream is I do trainings uh, once in a while. Well, before COVID, I was doing trainings you know, once or twice a year. And I take people to like Houston, Texas, for example, uh, teach them how to do tax liens and deeds. Uh, and uh, I spend four, you know, four days training and then I'd hop on a flight and I'd go somewhere tropical because that's, ha- that's my happy place. And uh, then COVID hit and I went back home and I started to get tons of calls from podcasters like yourself. And people doing summits and radio shows. And everybody wanted to know what's going to happen with real estate, you know, you know, post-COVID. What's, what's going to happen with the economy? And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, this year, um, you know, I was realizing so many people are worried about money that I decided that uh, I'm going to take this year, since I'm not bouncing around as much, to create more content and help more people that are, uh, you know, stuck financially or people that need to reinvent themselves and maybe you've been thinking about becoming real estate investors but don't know where to start and so that that this is the first year i i've actually come out of pretty much semi you know semi-retirement and that's the stuff that actually requires me but the the good thing is i'm already thinking ahead and thinking every every single thing i'm doing is recorded so that you know hopefully in the not too distant future when borders are open again and there's no more COVID and it's safe to travel uh, I can still help people, but once again, protect my time, and that's really the key: is to protect your time.
0: Yeah, well, amen. I'm sure that everybody that's listening, they say, "Well, that sounds pretty good. What uh, Mike is doing sounds sounds pretty good," and they understand the idea of of you or me being the actual bottleneck to the business and being able to remove yourself from the process so success can 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 flow. That's that's kind of the idea. But that didn't happen overnight for you. So did you sort no. of walk me through that process of, of, of how you got started?
1: Yeah, well, it's a really interesting story because, as, as I mentioned, I'm Canadian. And, and a buddy of mine moved from Canada to Las Vegas because uh, he got a really good job offer. And I'd go visit him frequently. And I noticed every time I'd go there, the real estate prices were going up and up and up. And I'm going, what's going on here? And back in those days, a lot of people from California were moving to Vegas to lower their cost of living. And they're doing that again now. Uh, in places like Vegas and Phoenix, as you know. But uh, but in any case, I was thinking, man, this is like so much easier than, you know, Canada was kind of, where I was living was kind of flat. And it's like, this is like, you know, so, this is like low-hanging fruit. And so I started investing in the U.S. And I started to buy some some uh, properties in Vegas. And at the end of the month, I couldn't be, of course, at two places at the same time to collect my rent. And so I very reluctantly hired a property manager. That was my first employee I ever I hired a property manager in Las Vegas. And um, I I find there's really three phases for most entrepreneurs. Most successful entrepreneurs get to that third phase and a lot of people don't make it there. But we start off as solopreneurs and we do everything ourselves and we feel like, oh, well, we can't trust anybody else and nobody else can do this as well as we can. so that's how I felt, anyway, and I know a lot of other entrepreneurs feel that way. Sure. But I, re- I reluctantly hired that first property manager, and then I realized that at the end of the month he was collecting a lot more rent than I was, even though I, I was I was uh, micromanaging him to death. He had to call me anytime somebody was late on rent. If an appliance broke, you'd have to call me. But he was collecting more rent than I was, and and the reason for that is he was treating it like a business, and I was becoming friends with my tenants, thinking that well. Friends aren't going to not pay you. And, and that was obviously really wrong. And that was, that was a really big misconception because uh, the closer you get to your tenants, the more favors are going to ask of you. And so, you know, tenants would, would say, hey, you know what, Mike, I get paid on Friday. Can we can we hold off uh, till Friday? And I'd say, yeah, no problem. And then Friday would come and oh, my car broke down. Can you give me another three days? And then next, thing you know, they're a month behind. They're two months behind. They're four months behind. And then they never get caught back up again. And then you end up having to evict them. Uh, Anyway, my my property manager in Vegas, he treated it like a business, and he, you know, we played good cop bad cop, and he'd say to the tenants, "Well, if it was up to me, I'd let it slide, but the homeowner it's this grumpy old man. If he doesn't get his rent, he's gonna fire me and kick you out of the house. But Mm -hmm. if you if you if you can come up with the money tomorrow, I won't even tell him we had this conversation. So my property manager is collecting way more money than me. He was uh, even after I paid him his ten percent, I was still getting more money on the properties in Vegas than I was on the ones in Canada. And then, um, you know, I remember there was one week that he called me. Tw- he called me on Monday and said, "Hey, Mike, the the uh, the fridge at, at one two three Main Street is broken. What should we do?" And I I said I said to him, uh, "Let's see what it costs to fix it, and if it's under a certain amount, we'll fix it, and if it's over a certain amount, we'll replace it." And then I remember he called me like literally two or three days later, a different property, different appliance, exact same conversation. I gave him the exact same answer. And I remember hanging up the phone with him, and it, and it was my fault because I made him report everything to me. And I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, man, am I ever dumb? I just spent this time <laughs> on the phone. And I'm not doing the job myself. I'm delegating it. But I'm spending just as much time babysitting as I did doing the job. And so I create a policy. Hey, every time an appliance breaks, this is what we do. And that was the start of my first system. And as I mentioned, I think there's really three phases for uh, for entrepreneurs. And the first phase is solopreneur. The second phase I call the micromanager phase or babysitting phase where we don't really have that trust and so we need to know every little thing that's going on in the business. And then we finally, if we're lucky, we get to that third phase and I call that the freedom phase. And that's where you you know you've got the right people on your team. Like I said, he was bringing in more money than I was even after I was paying him. And once I started to give him a little bit more, I, I empowered him to make decisions, he was a lot happier. I got my time back, and so now I'm making more money doing less work. And so I promptly hired my second employee, which is now a property manager up in Canada, to replace me. And then I started to think about all the different things in my business that were taking up my time and started to think, hey, does this really require me to do it, or could it be somebody else? And so it it, it was a gradual process. This did not happen overnight. But I can tell you that idea of, Uh, into that freedom phase and and replacing myself and 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 uh you know putting more people in place doing a lot less work than i ever did back in you know i I used to be a workaholic and i can i can honestly say that as a playaholic which is where i am now i make a lot more money than i ever did as a workaholic so um i wish i would have learned that many many years earlier it took a while but it changed my life
0: nice we certainly appreciate that and I think that, that anybody who's listening that that, that is a, a solopreneur or at a, a, a one of the three stages that you mentioned can certainly identify. I know that I certainly can. So the going from a solopreneur where you can't trust anybody to do any of the work and then to stage two where you're really micromanaging the people that you're working with and then finally making it to, to that freedom phase. So nice. So did did you get to a, an, an income level that was coming in consistently and you said, okay, this is, this is where I'm happy. Or do you look at it and say, okay, this is the next phase for me.
1: Yeah. To me, to me, I got to a certain point where the money wasn't the relevant thing anymore. Hmm. It's, uh, you know, during, during my workaholic days, um, I had this kind of thing in my subconscious that I think my mother put there and she, you know, uh, my, my mother got divorced when I was two and my uh, dad was kind of a deadbeat dad, never sent any money. So she raised me to make sure that whoever I was with, I was going to take care of them financially. So she told me, you know, you're, you're, you're the guy. You got to go and, and make good money and you're going to you have to work hard and support your family. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. But that's not what I'm teaching my daughter and grandkids. I'm not teaching them to work hard. I teach them to work smart now. And so, um, you know, if I, if I look back on. Those uh, you know those days um, when I used to be a workaholic. If I if I could go back, I would I would have skipped all that. And so, but anyway, back in those days, I measured everything by money and how much money was I bringing in. And then I got to a certain point where I had this money coming in very passively at the end of every month that way exceeded my expenses. And so I switched my currency from money to happiness and fulfillment. So everything that I do now, uh, I only do things that make me happy and or fulfilled. So Uh, normally when there's no COVID, I do, I do a lot of traveling to different places. I do a lot of volunteering and give back stuff, uh, because that to me, I I don't know any other way to create more fulfillment than helping other people. Uh, that that's why this year I've kind of gone back into work mode because obviously COVID created this, uh, you know, uh, this chaos for a lot of people. And I want to help as many as possible. So I've gone back to work, but I'm not regretting it at all. I'm not saying, Oh, I've got, you know, I'm working or, and I'm not measuring by how much money I'm not worried about the money because that, that part's taken care of. And so some of the stuff that I love to teach people that I'm teaching, you know, my, my students that I have now is that, uh, you know, if you can, if you could put the money on autopilot, so it's not a thing, not an issue anymore. What are the things that you would do with your time? And to me, you know, you should take, uh, once you get the money part figured out, you don't really need, after a certain point, it, it's just a non-issue, and so every day I wake up and I think about how, how can I add more value to other people, because that's where I get my fulfillment from, and then I think about how can I make myself more happy because if I'm happy and energized I can also do a lot more giving back and help other people, so that's why here I am in Mexico in my happy place, I could be at home in Canada in the snow and looking at uh, and I love my country by the way, but not in winter, but uh, so I put myself in my happy place every day, no matter what that, what that is. And I also look for opportunities wherever I can help others that uh, are struggling. because that, that makes me happy and fulfilled. And, and uh, the, the money just comes in, um, I find it's a byproduct. When you're kind of in the flow, doing the things you love, money comes in so effortlessly after a while. Uh, it, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't start that way. It's all when you get in the flow and you start doing the right things.
0: Yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate everything you just said. And I think that there are a lot of people, myself included, who would rather have money be irrelevant and not have to think or or really worry about it ever again. Um, But unless you have it, then, then that makes that a little tricky, right? So for people who are listening that aren't necessarily they're just working a regular nine-to-five job, and they're interested in, in, in getting to the state that you're talking about but don't have a ton of money saved up. How, how, how do you coach them?
1: Well, the, the, the good news is, is there's a really big misconception that you need money to make money. And I can tell you when I first started in real estate, uh, I, I had uh, you know, I, I'd, uh, just finished going to university, and I was uh, quite a bit in debt. And it had a lot of student loans, and and so I remember, um, you know, back then, this is 1989. I had uh, I was twenty five thousand dollars in debt, and I was actually going to go pay that off and then go get my second degree. I was going to be a lawyer, and I, I discovered real estate by mistake. So, but the good news for anybody who's listening that doesn't have a lot of money, I, I get people all the time that come to me and and they say, Hey, Mike, you know, uh, I'd love to get started in real estate, but I've got no money. And I go, Man, you got no money. You are so lucky because when I started. I was aspiring to get to no money. I was trying to get to zero. So, um, so the good news is there's lots of strategies out there that you can do that require little or no money. And the strategies that do require money, it doesn't have to be your money. And so there's lots of different ways to get uh, – You know, if you have lots of time, there's lots of people like myself that I don't have time or the patience to go looking for deals anymore. I have teams that do that for me. But if somebody who had a lot of time found a good deal and they called me up and said, hey, Mike. Uh, do you want to be my money partner in this deal? I, of course I'm going to do it, as long as they're willing to put in the time to do it. So there's lots and lots of different uh, ways to get in the game. Uh, if if real, if it was true that you needed money to be a real estate investor, I, I would say there'd be no real estate investors. Because nobody, I mean very few people, uh, unless you inherit money, most people don't start off, They all we all start off in the same place, we start at zero. And so uh, I totally uh, believe that anybody can be successful. And I can tell you my most successful students are usually the ones that uh, uh, are starting off with very little or no cash. The people that are comfortable, they don't really have this Hmm. pressure to go and take action. And so so, so quite often uh, the stuff that they learn becomes shelf help where, you know, they've got this knowledge, but they're not hungry enough. So, you know, they, they think it'd be nice to do that. But they're not motivated to actually go do the work. The people that are hungry, that invest in themselves, and uh, uh, they've got they've got that that hunger, uh, they're going to take action and they're going to get the results. So um, if you if you have little or no money, you're listening to this, take the time to educate yourself on on uh, you know some of the strategies that you can do, and your life can look radically different a year from now. I guarantee it.
0: I love it. Well, Mike Savage Nation, is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Well, I'd say since we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, I just like to say that, uh, you know, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in all the negativity that we see on TV and, you know, all the negativity that's uh, surrounding us right now. And, you know, there's actually a lot, I think there's a lot of good things that are coming from, uh, you know, as I'm trying not to sound insensitive, but there's a lot of good things such as, you know, we we're, we're have more bandwidth than ever before. You know, a year ago, if somebody said, hey, Mike, You know, can you create a whole bunch of content? It's like, no, I just don't think I have the the time to do it. So my big tip is, you know, for a lot of us, we're not working or we're working from home. It's created more bandwidth, more time for us. Use that time wisely. It's very easy to just, you know, sleep in every day and watch Netflix and and let life happen to you. Instead, take control. Take control of, of this time. Use it to educate yourself. Use it to reinvent yourself. I believe that five years from now, uh, the people that take this time to uh, learn a new skill, learn, uh, you know, take this time to educate themselves on different possibilities. Five years from now, you can look back and think that COVID was the best thing that ever happened uh, in your life. So once again, I'm trying not to sound insensitive. I know obviously a lot of people are affected adversely by this. uh, But I also think that uh, if you use this time properly, uh, you can change your life in a really positive
0: way. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you?
1: Yeah, well, you can either email me at info at mikewolfmastery.com, and it's wolf just like the animal, or go to my website, mikewolfmastery.com, and there's actually a free ebook there. So for those of you who are maybe in that position we were talking about earlier, where uh, you don't have a whole lot of money, we have an ebook on the top strategies you can do right now, from home by the way uh, because I know it's COVID and not a lot of people want to go looking at properties at the moment Uh, stuff you can do from home with little or no money and so it's absolutely free so it's on my website mikewolfmastery.com
0: perfect well Savage Nation if you enjoyed this as much as I did show Mike your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas shoot him a message at info at mikewolfmastery.com pick up that ebook at mikewolfmastery.com as well thanks again Mike
1: Thanks so much for having me, George.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. I know how important it is for me to hit reset, to refocus, reprioritize, and even reprogram myself every quarter or so in order to make sure that my mind, my body, and my money are where they need to be. These days, we are all going hard constantly with so many demands on our time, our attention. That's why I created the Strive Online Bootcamp, to be able to take a step back, to ensure that we're optimized in three key areas of our lives, our minds, our bodies, and our money. And I'd love for you to come with me on this two-week journey. You can click on the link in the notes of the show, or you can go to strivedetox.com. Check out the program. I'd love to have you a part of it.